at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, the polls closed here in Chicago. And about 40 short minutes later, incumbent Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner was already conceding to his challenger, J.B. Pritzker. I spoke to Mr. Pritzker moments ago. To Mr. Pritzker, I said, Godspeed. I hope and pray you serve Illinois well. Rauner lost in a landslide, getting just over 39% of the vote. Less than an hour later, Illinois' new governor-elect, J.B. Pritzker, was at the podium promising the light on the hilltop to the people of Illinois. Voting is an act of optimism that the levers of our democracy still work. You embody that optimism. You light the beacon fire on the hill of history that signals from one generation to another that these are the things that we stand and fight for. Hi, everyone. This is On Background, the WBEZ politics podcast. I'm Becky Vivi. Each week, we bring you the backstory on the big story. Today, the election is over. So now what? We'll talk with four of WBEZ's excellent reporters about what to watch for in your new government. Here to explain what's next for the state's new governor is Tony Arnold. Hi, Tony. Hi, Becky. So Pritzker's already in transition. He's got a team all picked out. What do you anticipate the governor's office will look like come January when he's sworn in? So already Pritzker's doing two things since winning the election. He's, one, just getting you know a staff in place for when he takes over the government in January after inauguration. He's also, though, put together this committee of people to pass a state budget. If you remember, Governor Rauner had this, oversaw this two-year-long budget impasse. It was very divisive and just became the hallmark of really his time as governor. So Prisker's done a few things to, to try to avoid this and actually p- get a budget passed. He's brought on two Republicans to help him out until he's inaugurated. These are Republicans who are actually known for being moderate and have also been critical of Governor Rauner. One of them is Christine Redonio. She's the former GOP Senate leader. The other one is former Illinois Governor Jim Edgar. Another noteworthy name that's on this list of advisors for Pritzker is Michael Sachs. He's thinking of running for Chicago mayor, and he's been a longtime advisor to the current mayor, Rahm Emanuel. Um, Things like this, though, suggest that Pritzker seems to be setting a contrasting tone to Rauner, uh, who is very combative with everyone that Pritzker's just appointed here. Um, That doesn't mean that Republicans in Springfield are going to get on board with these you know, these names that Pritzker's brought on, but it's just a very different style that we're seeing from Pritzker than than we did with Rauner. Trying to be a little kumbaya to get things done. Speaking of getting things done, do you have a sense of what Pritzker is going to try to get accomplished in, say, the next two years before we see another election? Yeah, part of that depends on what the makeup of the General Assembly is in the House and the Senate. As Mm -hmm. of Friday, a couple uh, races are still too close to call. But it does look like Democrats are going to expand on their majorities, even have super majorities in both the House and the Senate. Wow. That doesn't mean that. Yeah, right. It doesn't mean that all the Democrats agree and that, it, you know, they're all going to get everything done together. They, it's much more complicated than that. But for certain issues like legalizing marijuana in Illinois for recreational use, that seems like a real possibility to get done in the next two years. Something more complicated, though, would be something like the graduated income tax. He took a lot of hits during the campaign for never telling the public what he wants those rates to be. So now he's going around saying, 
let's listen to the people first before we upend the tax system, whatever that means. Prisker needs to change the Constitution to move to a graduated income tax. That's not an easy lift, even with Democratic supermajorities. How does one change the state constitution? Yeah, you'd have to get it through the legislature, and then voters would have to ratify it. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, Tony. Sure. As election night rolled on in the open race for Illinois Attorney General, the gap between Republican Erica Harold and Democrat Kwame Raul didn't appear to be narrowing. Raul was ahead. At around 8.30 at night, a big red checkmark popped up next to Raul's name. Claudia Morrell was at his election night party. What was it like there, Claudia? Well, we were in a massive ballroom at the Fairmont Hotel, which is at the foot of Millennium Park in downtown Chicago. And the room had just started filling up when Raul was declared the winner of the race. Uh, The Republican candidate Erica Harold's concession speech played on the jumbotron in front of the room. An extraordinary campaign team that I was so blessed and honored to work with. And when Raul eventually got on stage, he opened with his favorite joke about filling the shoes of big shot politicians. Remember, he's the guy who replaced Barack Obama in uh, Springfield when Obama went for the U.S. Senate. And sorry, the audio quality is so bad, but uh, Raul's sound guy must have been sleeping on the job. Lisa Madigan has been an awesome attorney general for this state. But I'm tired of having to answer this big shoes question. The outgoing AG, Lisa Madigan's shoes are also big. She's been in office for 16 years, and her father is the most powerful politician in Illinois, House Speaker Michael Madigan. So what can we expect from Raul when he's sworn in in January? Well, we can anticipate a pretty smooth transition. On election night, Lisa Madigan was essentially handing over the keys to the office, saying Raul would continue a lot of the work she started. Uh, Important note, she actually introduced him, which doesn't really happen in elections because of the optics. Democrats put a lot of effort into labeling Raul's opponent as too conservative for Illinois because this race for the Democratic Party wasn't about the day-to-day job of the AG. It was about President Donald Trump and his policies and the lawsuits that state AGs across the country, uh, particularly Democratic state AGs, have filed against his administration as it relates to the environment, uh, immigration reform, and health care. We reject the hate that has come from Donald Trump, the divisiveness that has come from his mouth that has created an environment where people are sending packages and, and going into houses of worship. But locally here, Lisa Madigan's also in the middle of some major projects. We have the consent decree over the Chicago Police Department. She also just opened an investigation into now outgoing Governor Rauner and his administration's handling of the Legionnaires' outbreaks at the Veterans Home in Quincy, Illinois. What will happen to those projects under Raul, Claudia? Yeah, and this gets back to the point why I think it's so significant that she introduced him. It's anticipated to be a very smooth transition where he will continue where she left off on the consent decree if it's not signed by the federal monitor before she leaves in January. And same with the Quincy investigation. And that's this is what makes it 
such a powerful office is that he ultimately has the autonomy and the resources to decide which cases he will bring forward and which ones will stay on the sideline. And throughout the campaign, he's made it clear that he thinks Lisa Madigan has had a fantastic record and he is more than willing and able to continue in her shoes. All right. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you. At about 9.35, the first of two key Illinois seats in the U.S. House of Representatives were called. Good evening. You're listening to WBEZ's election night coverage. A lot has happened in the last few minutes. Democrats now just need eight seats to control the U.S. House, as the Associated Press has called the Illinois 6th Congressional District for Sean Caston. And then at 10.02... Um, the 14th Congressional District race called by the AP for Lauren Underwood. Both of those districts covering Chicago's suburbs flipped blue after many years as Republican strongholds. WBEZ's Carrie Shepard and I covered those two hotly contested races, and we were both at election night parties for the incumbents in the far western suburbs. Yes, we were, Becky. Hi, Carrie. <laughs> Hi. Um, I was actually at the Arrowhead Golf Club in Wheaton, which is where the incumbent Republican Peter Roscombe lives. I got the news, just like everyone else, that <laughs> Sean Caston had that the Associated Press had called it for Sean Caston. I had trouble getting the Roscom campaign to confirm as such, so I was running around a little on that. But when Roscom did concede and came out to give his concession speech, he took the gracious winner route. And while I wish I had won the election tonight, I didn't. So what we do is you rub some dirt on it and you deal with it. And so that is the process that we're in, and that is how democracies work. Rub some dirt on it, huh? Rub some dirt on it. Our editor Al Always Keith loved that quote. <laughs> <laughs> so just down the road, uh, the winner, Sean Caston, was in Warrenville. He was at the IBEW. And in his concession speech, he tried to move away from party politics, sort of. Based on the results that have come in, it is, it is delightful to see that I think we flipped the House. And... And this is, an, this is an election where what won was values. Don't, don't think this is a party that won. It was values that won. I was further west inside Kennedy Point Restaurant and Bar in Bristol, Illinois, where Randy Hultgren thanked all of his supporters and offered help to young Democrat Lauren Underwood. So I did want to come up and say I just have uh, called Lauren Underwood and congratulated her on her victory. Uh, it was a close race, uh, yeah, but... Uh, I've, it looks obvious uh, that, uh, that she's been successful, and I just am so honored for the privilege that I've had to be able to represent the people of the 14th Congressional District. Underwood's win marks the very first woman and very first African-American to ever represent the very traditionally red 14th District, which covers many of the far western and northwestern burbs all the way up to the Wisconsin border. Carrie, the 6th District is closer to Chicago proper, and I'm wondering... What did Kasten say he was going to do in Congress to represent those voters? So um, our colleague Patrick Smith covered the Sean Kasten party while I was at the incumbent Peter Roscombe's. But Kasten was on WBEZ's morning shift with Tony Sarabia the next day. Um, he, when asked uh, what the top five or so issues would be when he went to Congress, he said health care, health care, health care, health care, health care. I think <laughs> I got five there. There you go. Um, he said, you know, Kasten's been pretty clear 
clear along the campaign trail. Like this is he's not a policy guy in the political sense. This is he's a first time politician. He says he knows constituents he talked to in the area want to see some changes since uh, Republicans like Roscom repealed, voted to repeal the ACA. Uh, he said he just doesn't know quite yet what that looks like. Um, then he went on to say something we heard a lot from him on the campaign trail as a scientist, as a clean energy guy. He is going to tackle climate change. Mm-hmm. He told me at one point on the campaign trail, for example, maybe make some changes to the Clean Air Act. How about you, Beck? What did uh, Lauren Underwood say she's going to do in Congress? Well, it's funny that you talk about health care being a big issue for Kasten because that was the key issue for Underwood on the campaign trail. She is a former administrator and advisor in the Department of Health and Human Services out in D.C. She worked under the Obama administration. She's got her nursing license. This was a big issue for her, and she talked a lot about herself having a pre-existing condition and protecting protections for people with pre-existing conditions. So I anticipate she's going to continue that work. She talked about it in her speech. Uh, WBEZ's Shannon Heffernan was also there. But it's worth noting, too, that Underwood also mentioned being one of a record number of women going to Congress and particularly the historic moment of her, a black woman, winning a district that has long been represented by white men. She referenced Shirley Chisholm, who was the very first African-American congresswoman elected 50 years ago. It's been 50 years and one day, and look at how far we've come. Look at what we've done. Tonight, November 6, 2018, I stand before you as this community's first congresswoman-elect. Now, because I was at the Hultgren party, I talked with mostly his supporters, and something stuck with me that supporter Craig Gentman told me. He said he thinks Democrats should be careful in the next two years and not get too power-hungry, or it might backfire in 2020. Because they're going to spend two years trying to impeach Trump, and they're not going to impeach Trump. You know, it's too much knee-jerk reactions, uh, and it happens on both sides. But they're going to knee-jerk reaction really hard, and uh, it's going to end up. I, I think Trump will win 2020 over it, and I think he's banking on it. He knows as long as he keeps the Senate, he's protected. That was Craig Gentman, and he was just talking about what's next for both Democrats and Republicans in Congress. Yeah, it's interesting. We both had uh, very interesting races to very cover in exciting. the midterm. Yes, <laughs> thanks so much, Gary. Thanks, Beck. Late into the night, some very hyper-local races for the Cook County Board had yet to be called. One was for Tim Schneider, who's also the chair of the Illinois Republican Party. I'm going home. Uh, I think I've lost this race. I've spent 12 years representing the people of the 15th District, and I've enjoyed it, and I've been honored and privileged to serve those people. I could have spent a million, two million, I might could have spent $3 million on this race, and the outcome would never have been any different. This was a Democratic wave here in Illinois, and uh, they won, and they've had a great day, and, uh, you know, we'll learn to live another day. Kristen Schorsch was with him on election night in the back room of a Schaumburg steakhouse, and she's here with me now. Kristen, hi. Hi. Tell me a little bit more about Tim Schneider. 
So Schneider was a Cook County commissioner for 12 years in the northwest suburbs, and he ended up losing to Kevin Morrison, who has never run for political office, even though he's worked on or volunteered for a lot of campaigns. Um, And so we were there late, as you could hear, and I grabbed Schneider right as he was about to head home. Um, And so he was basically conceding, even though his race hadn't been called yet. So after Tuesday, we know about half of the Cook County board is changing over. Kristen, what will that government body look like going forward? So the board is more blue, more female, and more diverse. Hmm. The board has 17 members. There were four Republicans before the midterms, and come December, there will be just two. That's largely due to the Cook County Democratic Party, which is led by Tony Prockwinkle. She's also president of the county board. The party spent about a million dollars to flip the board nearly all blue for the first time in about 20 years. And so they were able to oust two of these Republicans. Wow. What does that mean for Cook County residents? What do you think they should watch out for? So a lot of people before the elections were talking about how the Republicans were a firewall against tax increases, against new taxes, um, because they believe in smaller government. And when you think about the soda tax, it was one of the most hated taxes in county history. The Republicans led the charge to repeal that, and then Mm -hmm. they got Democrats to buy in. Because I don't believe there will be any checks and balances on the county board anymore. When you have 15 Democrats and two Republicans, they're, they're going to They're going to have carte blanche on raising taxes uh, at every chance they can, and they will. They will. I think you're going to see a great many tax increases, perhaps even in the near future, in the next year, possibly. So essentially, there's some concern that there could be less of a check on government with an almost entirely Democratic Cook County board. So even though there were only four of them, they made a lot of noise and were able to sort of block some things from, from being implemented. Yeah, it was a small club, but they were able to put up a stink, so to speak. Got it. And as we know, Preckwinkle is running for mayor of Chicago. So I'm curious, what happens to the county board if she wins that race? So the election is in February and there's likely going to be a runoff. So in April, if she does end up winning and becoming mayor, um, there will be a new Cook County board president and a voters will eventually elect somebody who is already on the county board. All right. Thank you so much, Kristen. Sure. That's all for this episode of On Background, the WBEZ Politics Podcast. I'm Becky Vivi. Our producer is Justin Bull. Our editors are Alex Keefe and Kate Cahan. Quick heads up, we're taking a couple of weeks off. Next week, most of our team will be out of the office. And the following, we'll all be busy eating lots of stuffing and turkey. But we'll be back and better than ever at the end of November with more on Chicago's upcoming elections when the city will pick a new mayor and 50 aldermen. As always, you can rate, review, subscribe, and download On Background in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow all of WBEZ's political coverage at wbez.org slash politics and, of course, on air at 91.5 FM. (laughs) Yeah, you run out of Band-Aids, you tell your kids to rub some dirt in it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um...